0: Well, the snow is about to start flying here this time of year, and if you're anything like me, that means time to hang the bikes, pack up the jean shorts, and clean up the yard for the long winter hibernation. Fortunately, there is relief from dreary winter woes. Paper Blossoms by McKell are always in season. Paper Blossoms by McKell are custom arrangements handmade to order any time of year. Each bouquet is unique, competitively priced, and best of all, no green thumb required. If you're looking for that original gift for someone special or something to brighten the living room, check them out at Facebook at facebook.com slash paperblossomsbymichal. That's paperblossomsbymichal, M-I-C-H-A-L. And remember, Valentine's Day is right around the corner.
1: That's right, Paul. And if you're interested in winning a free bouquet of flowers from Paper Blossoms by Mikal, then we have an amazing contest for you. Beginning on December 17th, go to iTunes, to Dating Ourselves Podcast, and give us a five-star review and leave us some nice words. Once you do that, you'll automatically be entered into the contest. On January 17th, we will pick three winners out of a hat, and those winners will each receive a custom-made bouquet of flowers from Paper Blossoms by Mikkel. And let me tell you, as an 80s, 90s, or early 2000s fan, the opportunity to win one of these three bouquets will be amazing. So again, to enter the contest, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And if you'd like to order your own Paper Blossom by Mikkel, visit facebook.com slash Paper Blossoms by Mikkel. That's M-I-C-H-A-L. Back to the Past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts,
0: Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey, guys. Thanks, Adam. So here we are, episode three. Brief recap, if you haven't listened to last week, you missed There Can Only Be One, episode two, where we discussed Highlander, Gator Golf, and the classic video game, Goldeneye.
2: Best game ever. Yes, yes. So it definitely uh, definitely an episode worth checking out. So if you haven't, go find it. Um, but yeah, basically, it, those of you who have heard us already already know this, but uh, we talk everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. So each week we find three topics. Um, could be sports, music, television, toys, all the good stuff. And we just uh, talk about it. So this week, I'm going to lead a discussion on AOL Instant Messenger. Paul will talk about the 80s classic movie Stand By Me, and Adam will be leading us off shortly with a brief discussion about the most awesome WWF superstar ever, The Ultimate Warrior. What do you say, Adam? Let's do it.
0: That was not enough hype for The Ultimate Warrior. Let's do this! There we go. Sorry, I don't know.
1: That's definitely not a ultimate warrior voice but that's all right so uh like brian mentioned my topic was the ultimate warrior one of the most iconic wwf wrestlers of all time uh, so just a brief little history of the the ultimate warrior before we get into his career uh so the ultimate warrior was born james brian helwig And prior to his life as a professional wrestler, he was an amateur bodybuilder, which makes sense, because if you've ever seen him, he was absolutely ripped. Yeah, he's huge. Um, And I'm pretty sure that wasn't all
0: natural.
2: I think there (laughs) might have
1: been some supplements he may have been taking.
2: Mostly Maybelline, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, he did have some pretty fantastic hair back in the day, so... (laughs) And a lot of makeup, but... D-
2: different kind of makeup, not
1: as <laughs> like eyeshadow. That's very true. That's very true. So the Ultimate Warrior uh, began wrestling actually as Jim Justice Hellwig, <laughs> uh, pr- prior to him being in uh, like any of the big major companies. And then in 1986, so the year we were born. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior debuted in Dallas, Texas, with World Championship Wrestling, Wow, uh, really? and yes, and uh, or I'm sorry, World Class Championship Wrestling, sorry, oh. WCCW. Uh, but still, uh, he was a uh, very big uh, star, kind of early on with them. He that that's kind of when he first started uh, wearing the iconic face paint. That was what I was uh, going to ask: is when when yeah. did he
2: adopt the paint? Because that's kind of what everybody knows. And if you haven't seen The Ultimate Warrior, I would suggest pausing the podcast real quick and typing Ultimate Warrior into your favorite browser, which I'm hoping isn't Bing. But if it is, um, go check it out, and uh, you will see exactly what we're talking about. It's a very, very iconic makeup.
0: Turn your volume down a little bit first, though, or you might be mildly disturbed. (laughs) There's a lot of
1: power. That's that's very true. Yes, uh, but it, I mean, it looks to me from what I've been able to tell, it looks to me like he actually had a different, he, he had a different face paint or slightly different face paint from the one that became so iconic in uh, the WWF. Uh, but he did kind of start that during that time, and then of course, what he was most known for is his appearance in World Wrestling Federation, which began in. 1987 so he was only with wccw for a year uh before he got called up to the big leagues um well, i think so that's about
0: com- the time they folded
1: i think you're right oh, that yeah. makes sense that makes yeah. sense yeah so um once he goes to the wwf he basically starts out uh going through a series of jobbers uh, to make himself look strong. If if you don't watch wrestling, a jobber is essentially somebody who gets called up, usually from a smaller promotion or something like that, uh, to come in and wrestle someone that they're trying to make look strong. So the matches usually don't last too long, because essentially the job is for this uh, new talent to come in and essentially destroy the other uh, person, this jobber, so quickly that uh, they look strong. Uh, But within a year or two, uh, actually about a year after his debut, he was a surprise substitute for Brutus the Barber Beefcake in an Intercontinental Championship match. Now that's a heck of a name right Oh yeah, (laughs) right? Yes. And uh, he actually ends up defeating the Honky Tonk Man in 27 seconds to uh, win the Intercontinental Championship, which was one of his two reigns as uh, WWF champion. And then he also managed to win in 1990 the uh, World Heavyweight Championship, which was his only run uh, as the World Heavyweight Champion.
0: How long was he with WWF? Or you're going to get there uh, in a minute. I'm jumping the gun. He, <laughs>
1: yeah, he departed in 1992 and He wasn't there very long, but he certainly made uh, use of that time because he became one of the most iconic wrestlers of all time. And uh, probably what he was most known for uh, as far as like his popularity and stuff like that had to do with all of the marketing that was available because of his look. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've never seen his... His uh standard outfit that he wore, he always wore like the little short trunks, usually uh, some like vibrant color. and then he'd wear boots with uh, these like tassels on them, and uh, he'd wear armbands that had tassels on them and then of course the face paint. And so that usually led to a very good marketing technique for them. And so they were able to sell a lot of toys with him. I always remember seeing, do you guys remember those little plush dolls of the ultimate warrior you used to be able to get?
0: Oh
2: yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Wasn't he uh, one of the wrestling buddy dolls too? They were like the pillows that were in the shape of your favorite wrestler.
2: Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yep. 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 Yeah. He he had that very, very iconic look. And I think, yeah, it was partially the face paint and the bright colors, but, I mean, he was huge, too. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. he would go up with Hulk Hogan, you know, another guy that people think just iconically is gigantic. But then when you have those armbands on, it makes your biceps look like 50 million times bigger than they actually are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they were
2: already huge to begin with because, like you said, he had a, a past in bodybuilding.
1: Mm-hmm. And then uh, what? I guess what was so notable about his performance in the ring, because, he, I mean, he was mostly a kind of a strongman wrestler. So a, a lot of his moves were power moves, you know, big power slams and stuff like that. But what he was always known for, like the, the kind of quintessential moment for the Ultimate Warrior was he would start out doing uh, w- really well, he'd be winning, and then he, all of a sudden the tide would turn and he would uh, inevitably uh, start getting beat and he would just get brutalized by the other person until he had like nothing left. And then he would always go through, like, the warrior rush. And that was when you knew things were about to get awesome. He'd start kind of pumping his arms and, like, pulsating his body. And, uh, you know, he'd take hits and they wouldn't phase him. And he'd take another hit and it still wouldn't phase him. And then all of a sudden he would just unleash on the person and then usually end up winning very shortly after. And that was kind of always his big iconic moment in every match was when he could do that. And then, of course, uh, he was... Uh, again, a very uh, strong man coming from the uh, bodybuilding. One of his most iconic moments, per se, like actual moments that happen. Um, and and we actually just watched this a few weeks ago. Uh, Paul happened across a old uh, Ultimate Warrior video, and we were watching that. And there's garage a mo- uh, moment.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: gotta love VHS. those finds. <laughs> <laughs> But there was a moment. Uh, that we were watching where he was taking on Andre the Giant, who, if you really small don't guy, know, real small, he, oh, yeah, yes,
0: he was uh, Fezzik in Princess Bride,
1: exactly. Yep, I was, I was just gonna say, he uh, that's probably what he's most known for outside of wrestling is that he was uh, Fezzik in that movie. Uh, but just to give you an idea of how big this guy was, he was seven foot four inches and 520 pounds. And in a very iconic moment, the Ultimate Warrior picked him up and body slammed him, which is no small task and was only completed by one other person in the WWF, which happened to be... Anybody?
0: Hulkamania, brother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hulk Hogan. That's an urban (laughs) legend, though, because Stan Hansen did it first. They just didn't promote it.
2: Right. Oh. Yeah. I guess I never realized that.
0: Well, here's the thing: is I've seen the match where Stan Hansen did it a bunch of times, but it might have been in Japan. The more I think about it,
2: oh. I, I could
1: see that. I could see that. That's probably why it's not that's too. probably
0: why it's the first time in WWF. Oh, ah, yeah.
2: that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, anything else outside of that is just kind of like doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, Vin, folklore. Vince McMahon <laughs> yeah. doesn't. <laughs> Vince McMahon doesn't allow it to exist. <laughs> that's
1: pretty- um, so for I, obviously. The Ultimate Warrior uh, body slamming Andre the Giant was iconic. Is there any moments that you guys in particular uh, like stands out to you? You remember as being favorite moments of yours watching him as a kid? Uh,
0: when he had the feud with the Boogeyman, Mm-hmm. and the uh, the Boogeyman would hypnotize him, and then he would vomit before he would go into rush mode because it would gross me out to no end. <laughs>
1: That is pretty disgusting. Because they would show
0: it on TV, and I mean, it was all a plant and, you know, a work for, you know, because it's wrestling. But it was, I don't know, I was a little kid at the time, and I would see that on TV, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's disgusting and terrible. and I, <laughs> It's forever ingrained in my brain. That and when the <laughs> Ultimate Warrior shakes the ropes... I mean, when you talk about his rush oh, mode, yeah. I mean, the, the only two ways I can describe it is the Urban Dictionary definition of the word lit and 80s cocaine. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> There may be a better reason for that, too, <laughs> in hindsight. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, that was going to be actually what I was going to talk about is – is the way that he would pump himself up, you know, when he was grabbing the ropes and things like that. He would just shake like the whole ring and he would just get going. And he was just such a giant dude. Like you could just see all of his muscles like just working at that. Um, But I think what really was super iconic for him is right in that, you know, late 80s, early 90s period of WWF, there was a lot, a lot of like, and you guys will probably know the term for this, but when they would get with like mean Gene Okerlund and stuff like that, and they would just promos. Yeah. Like the promo things and they would just talk like, you know what? Undertaker. I don't like you. I don't like your look. And like the ultimate warrior was one of those guys that had like tons of them. I mean, all those guys did, you know, big boss man, iron Sheik, you know, but he was like in there all the time because he was amazing at it. Like he was just so in your face, screaming and shouting and,
1: and he could get the uh, fans on his crowd. He was oh, yeah. definitely definitely a fan favorite.
0: Yeah, He could definitely. psych a crowd up like no other. Yeah, no kidding. And yeah. that's one of the biggest things I miss about wrestling then as opposed to now and why I don't watch WWF or WWE as much anymore is back then when they had the talking points, it was with a microphone on a stage outside of the action that took place in the ring. When they came to the ring, it was just wrestling. Everything before that was actually promoting the bout that was about to happen. And they would do this for weeks at a time and there would be TV spots and they would always be like true interviews. And then when they went to the ring, it was okay. We've hyped this up and now we're going to settle our differences. Whereas now it's more like an intertwined soap opera.
2: Yeah, that is definitely true. Definitely true. Um, I used to watch a lot of wrestling as anyone who know or know <laughs> anyone who knew me <laughs> anyone who knew me back in like the the uh you know basically the whole 90s I w- I was really into wrestling and this for me was like probably the most iconic you know there, there's people nowadays like John Cena and Kurt Angle and uh, Batista, and all these guys that are really entertaining and exciting to watch but there's just something about this particular era that was just... The, I don't know. I mean,
1: there is a reason why this is considered like one of the golden eras of wrestling when you had uh, Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man Randy Savage. and yep. Everybody uh, was like larger than
0: life. And they yes. had a charisma about them that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. that's that's true. Yeah, I definitely agree there.
0: And there was a concept of like when there was a bout coming between, you know, a good guy, a baby face and the bad guy, the heel, the heel. You truly hated that person. They got you to hate them to the point that you wanted to see them get their face smashed in. And that's another thing that's kind of kind of missing today is everybody's out there to sell T-shirts. They're not selling themselves. And that aspect of it's kind of missing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I won't I won't cause I could literally go off on a tangent on this, but uh one of the uh people I always thought did the best at being a heel and like literally I until like I got older and kind of realized what he was doing and that he was intending to be like this and to get people to hate him was Owen Hart, the brother <laughs> of one, one oh, of the yeah. legends, uh Brett the Hitman Hart. Owen Hart could make me hate him so good. Like Even years after I stopped watching, I still harbored this, like, just seething hatred for him until I it dawned (laughs) on me one day, I was like, God, like, he actually was doing
2: that for a purpose, like, he he did a really good job at it.
0: Was the blue blazer on (laughs) purpose?
2: Well, oh. <laughs> the, the costume was probably on purpose. The, the the way that ended probably was not on purpose.
1: <laughs> yeah, the untimely death uh, was definitely not a, a scripted thing. <laughs> 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 um,
2: so not anyway, the
0: direction uh, I was going there. Oh, moving on. Both Adam
2: and I were on the same page, and sorry, sorry Paul. <laughs> that's just
0: what
1: comes into my mind when I think of Blue Blazer. Since you went there um, really
0: quick, just do you remember where you were when that happened? Um, uh, I
1: I remember being at home. I I was not watching it. Um, for whatever reason. Because I usually went over to, uh, there's a good friend of all of ours that I've known since we were about two years old. And me and him used to watch all the pay-per-views together because his family had like a cable box and all that. And they would get the pay-per-views. And so I remember him being the one that told me uh, about it. I don't remember watching, I'm actually not even positive I've ever actually seen that particular Uh, pay-per-view yeah I I don't think you're
2: able to anymore I don't think that it's ever been circulated because it was Survivor Series what like 98 or 99 something like that I think it was Uh, I think it was 99 yeah because it
1: was uh it was about a month I think it was a month after I went to uh either raw a raw or smackdown taping in Grand Rapids um and I saw him there and it was like a month or so after that because it was like very beginning of October maybe that I went saw that and so, yeah, it was v- very shortly after that is when he died. And, and, you know, as much as I, like, hated him at the time because of how good of a heel he was, I I definitely, you know, that did take me aback. Like, that was a really sad thing to, to hear about. And um, if you guys have never heard the story, it was basically a malfunction of equipment. His character was supposed to be coming down from the
2: rafters. And yeah, uh there kinda, was kind of like a like Garth Brooks or Lady Gaga does you know yeah like on, yeah uh, yeah, like yeah. yeah. so
1: he was descending and it it was supposed to be uh like a uh, kind of a funny gimmick. uh his whole thing was that he was really clumsy um in this in this particular character. And uh, he was supposed to be coming down, and, and uh, there
2: was a quick release. Just wanted to stop you Sorry? real quick. No one knew who he was because he had like one of those blue like luchador masks too. So yeah, no one yeah. knew who it was. That was part of the mystery. Is, like everyone kind of knew it was Owen Hart, but no one really knew for sure,
1: right? Right. And so he's coming down from the rafters, and uh, he has a quick release on because the gimmick that he was going to do is that he was going to get a few feet above the. Ring and then he was going to release this quick release and he'd fall a few feet and look silly as he got back up. Well, something happened. No one's quite sure what, but the quick release released while he was still about, I think it was like between 60 and 70 feet in the air. And he ended up falling and hit his chest on, I, I've heard various things. I heard he hit it on the turnbuckle, which is like the metal post. Uh, that's at the corner of the rings, or he hit it on one of the actual ropes. But regardless, uh, when he hit, he, he broke his chest, and a piece of his uh, chest um, hit him in the heart, and he ended up dying at the venue, which was uh, extraordinarily sad because he was uh, you know, one of the big up-and-comers, and he was probably going to start getting a real big push uh, right. within the next yeah. year or so after that. And not that that, you know, would make it any less sad if he wasn't, but that, that just shows like how, how much the company trusted him, that they were going to be uh, really trying to push him big in the next year or so. And he, he had an untimely death. And uh, Speaking of untimely, sorry?
0: Well, I was just going to, the only thing I was going to add to that is I was never a WWF guy. I was in the early 90s and then I quickly switched over to WCW in the Nitro mm-hmm. era. mm hmm mm-hmm. And that was always my area of expertise. So the night that it happened, I didn't watch the pay-per-view. I knew it was going on, but I I really knew little about it. But I got a call from a relative. It was like, hey, I saw some wrestler had died last night in an event. And they said, yeah, he was... He was zip lining in from the ceiling and my first thought was, holy crap, was it sting? Because I was a huge sting. Oh, because he always sting. did that yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he always would come down from the rafters because that was when, you know, he was going against the NWO. And I was right. like, wow, how would, have I not heard about this? And then I watched TV because it was the following day. And then finally when I got to school, someone actually had the newspaper because this was before, wow. you know, this is in the days yeah. of dial-up internet. Yeah, no, no yeah. smartphones back
2: then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There was no texting. Uh,
0: Your neighbor just ran over and beat on the door to give you bad news. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah,
2: we used to pass notes in class. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was the texting back that, in that's, our days. That's dating ourselves, folks. That's that's dating yeah, ourselves. No <laughs> um, well, there's so many things we could talk about with pro wrestling, but uh, since the topic was The Ultimate Warrior, did you guys have any last thoughts before we moved yeah. on to the next uh, next the- discussion?
1: The, uh, the last thing I was just going to throw in was uh, that, you know, he had kind of had a strained relationship with the WWE uh, for a while, but uh, he eventually kind of got a good relationship with the company again and uh, finally came back and was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame on April 5th of 2014 and then very unfortunately died Three days later, uh, yeah, I was going to say it was really, April
2: 8th. really close. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was on uh, April 8th, which was, uh, I believe, the night after his uh, first appearance on Raw, uh, wow. Monday Night Raw in 18 years. Wow. So, yeah. So in uh, a lot of people, when they were watching that particular episode, I, I remember watching it just because everyone was like, oh, The Warrior's going to be back on, and I remember watching him cut the promo, and I was thinking the whole time, man, he looks really rough. Like, something looks really wrong, and uh, obviously that was true as he, uh, you know, his his face just looked really... um, Aged? Well, aged and, like, it looked really swollen and red and stuff. You could just tell something was wrong. And then, of course, uh, a couple days later he uh had uh died of um cardio uh, something related to uh, cardio cardiovascular disease um, and so since then his legacy has uh kind of returned uh and he's become- you know he never was like someone that was shunned or anything but since then he's definitely become a major name within the brand again they even right. have a uh warrior award that they give out every year for people who overcome adversity and stuff like that so um, yeah, that's uh, that was kind of my last piece there. Paul, you got anything, last uh, pieces there?
0: No, I, I guess the only thing I would say is um, it was the 2K uh, video game that brought him back. It was actually Paul Heyman that was working for his advertisement studio, and 2K reached to him to get in touch with the Warrior because Paul Heyman was not with WWF at the time, or WWE, and it was the video game relationship that kind of paved the way for his return. Oh really? Nice. And that was the start of you know pretty much whoever is on the cover of the video game more or less makes the Hall of Fame that year. Oh,
2: more okay. or less. That's much better than what happens with people on the cover of Madden. So yeah, no <laughs> kidding. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, well, that, well that, uh, that's let's... that's awesome, and it's great that he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. You know, I think that he was
1: definitely well deserved.
2: Definitely, well deserved. definitely someone that I uh, looked up to as a little kid. Man, he was he was cool mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump into our next topic, and that's going to be Brian talking about the pretty important uh, to our age group chat client, which was AOL Instant Messenger. So let's go ahead and switch it over to Brian.
0: May it rest in peace.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so thank you, Adam. And as, as Paul mentioned, uh, AOL Instant Messenger, more lovingly known as AIM or AIM, uh, was recently taken out back with Old Yeller and put down. Uh, <laughs> um, at the time of this uh, recording, it's still out for, I think, another, another month or Couple month and weeks. a half. Yeah, yeah but um, at the time that this is released, it will have been uh, no longer with us. My first encounter with, with AOL Instant Messenger, and I guess before I get into my, my personal stories with it, um, I guess I can give a little bit of background it was released in 1997, and it was originally specifically only for American online clients. So you had to actually have AOL on your computer in order to use this, but it was so popular that they made a, a software version that anyone could download. At one point in time, um, I want to say that it held over 50% of all instant messaging um, wow. across that wow. market. Yeah. So there are other instant messenger Programs such as Yahoo Messenger, MSN Messenger, ICQ is pretty popular, but AIM was popular around that same time that Zanga and MySpace were popular, and it was it was huge. Um, and I so going into my my first foray with it, I remember going to a friend's house, and it was like a sleepover. It was me and him and like two other guys, and we were all hanging out and drinking cherry coke and. Eating Chex mix or something like that, and so we're we're wired as wired as shit, and uh, yeah, and uh, he had this AOL instant messenger thing that I had never really heard of, kind of <laughs> heard of it but never seen it, and there was some girl that was online at the same time or you know a 40 year old man claiming to be a girl that it was our age but not really <laughs> sure but um you know we were talking to this total stranger who apparently was our age and from like you know Spokane or something like that so nowhere near us but uh we we were talking with her until like all hours of the morning we thought we were so cool because as like I don't know how old we were at the time maybe 13 or 14 um we We had no game, you know, so um, we thought we were really cool talking to this girl and being able to think about what we were gonna say and then be able to write it out and uh, we thought we were we thought we were pretty fly. So how about you guys? What was you guys' kind of first exposure to 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 a i m
1: mine was um gosh probably i I can't remember if it was uh sophomore or uh, junior year of high school. I remember. Like someone talking about it. And uh, I remember uh, just thinking, huh, what is that? And so I uh, asked them and they kind of explained, oh, you can like chat with people online. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of weird. Like, why would you want to do that? Why don't you just talk on the phone? That's what phones right. are for. Uh, and just kind of on a whim, I, uh, I guess they convinced me to uh, try it out. And so I, I started uh, getting on and, you know, just talking to friends and stuff like that. Nothing major. It was just like, you know, at night when you couldn't use the, uh, telephone cause you know, they, my parents would kind of shut down like telephone use at, at a certain time. Yep. Uh, just cause you know, they didn't want me. I'm kind of a loud talker if you guys don't know me. So, uh, you? Nah. <laughs> so, no. nah, Never. Nah. so, uh, so I just used it to talk to friends online and, and it ended up becoming, uh, one of my favorite things to do, like at night, I'd hop on, and that's when, like, me and my friends would uh, sit and chat and joke around and just kind of, you know, get to have fun and stuff like that. Uh, while not necessarily having, uh, or, or while we couldn't necessarily hang out and stuff like that, so that was kind of the big thing for me was just using it uh, to to talk to friends and stuff like that. And it's actually kind of funny because I really kind of owe AIM uh, Instant Messenger to uh, the fact that I can type so well, because I was a horrible keyboardist prior to the uh, Instant Messenger, but I got so good at it because I was, you know, for like an hour a night, I was practicing
2: keyboarding without ever oh, thinking yeah. about and it. And now you're like Jordan Rudez. It's amazing. <laughs> 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 Different keyboarding. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. but yeah, uh, not, not quite that well, I, I think that's <laughs> definitely true for me as well, because I remember taking typing classes in like, you know, middle school, and I was really bad, mm-hmm. and for the most part, I still only type with like two fingers per hand. But I've gotten very, very quick with it, um, and it would not have been the case had it not been for uh, for you know instant messenger. Because yeah, so uh, we we all went to
1: the same elementary school. That's actually where I met them. I, oh, I yeah. moved to fourth this, grade. Uh, yeah, the elementary. Yep, fourth grade. I moved to uh, the elementary school that both of them were attending. And um, they were a couple of the first friends I made once I moved to uh, that school. But um, I don't know if you guys remember this because I very vividly remember this. There was like a typing game (laughs) that we used to play in a a typing class to learn how to type fast. And you had to like type letters or words as they came up. And it was kind of like a Mario type game where it was like a side scroller. And you had like a thing you had to accomplish, but you also had to type. And I remember I was horrible at that. I could not... Yeah, you were supposed to get, like, a certain number of words per minute. I was
2: incapable of it at the time. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember it. Um, I, I, I'm sure if I saw the images, it, I, it would, like, transport me back. But... Um, I kind
0: of remember it. It was when we were in fifth grade and they were just starting to try and teach yeah. it. This is when Yahooligans was that popular. About right.
2: That sounds about right. Yep. So, Paul, did you have any... Uh, Any stories um, in terms of your initial exposure to AIM?
0: Well, I started with the AOL chat rooms, which was kind of the precursor to it, because that was like the taboo thing when we were younger, probably when I was in fifth or sixth grade is everybody would rush home and get on the AOL chat rooms and you could talk to people. And that's, you know, the whole like asl age sex location that yep, era yep. <laughs> and that for me kind of led me into aol instant messenger and it was kind of weird because that was the that was the start of like we would be seeing our friends at school but then we would rush home to get on the computer so that we could continue the conversation with typing which you know when a 30 second phone call would have taken half the time
2: Right, right. Yeah. Well, there were so much of those conversations that were literally not even necessary to have. You know, oh, yeah. a lot of it's like, hey man, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm just like doing some homework, but also on my computer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, what are you doing? Oh, the same. You know, and it was just like back and forth. Like <laughs> there's like pages and pages where it's like you're not even really talking about anything. So some of the features, and I guess we kind of didn't really talk about this much earlier, but. AIM had a lot of really revolutionary aspects to it. So one of the big things was that mm-hmm. you could have a profile, and that was kind of a big deal. And I remember <laughs> people used to put like different links to surveys, or they'd put like different emo band lyrics, or you know, what whatever they wanted yep. to put in there. Um, yep. And you could edit your own your fonts and your text colors and your backgrounds. And and one of the big things was. This whole idea of texting speak actually started in things like AIM. So LOL mm-hmm. has been, a, as it predates smartphones. It predates, <laughs> you know, our standard, you know, yeah. SMX texting type stuff.
1: That's one of the things I remember being so weird when I first uh, started instant messaging was like, I'd be talking to someone and they'd all of a sudden say BRB. Yeah, like, what I was the like, hell is that? Wait, what? <laughs> What, what are you talking about, BRB? A-F-K. Like, that doesn't mean it That's not a word. <laughs> and then they had to explain to me, that means be right
0: back. Oh, ah, okay. All yes, right. Yes, yes.
1: Yes. So, so you could have saved us all this time by just saying be right back. I
0: have a f- fun story about that. This was, I don't know if this is true or not, because it was told to some, it was told to me as a joke, but, uh. A friend of mine once went, look at this. And they showed me a text message from their mother and said, hey, your Aunt Karen just passed away, LOL. And they responded back and said, why Why is that funny? And she goes, it's not funny. Your Aunt Karen just passed away. we're like, holy crap, what's going on here? And then then she's like, mom, you said LOL. And she goes, yeah, lots of love. (laughs) And she's like, no, 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 that's not (laughs) what that means. It's like, oh, crap. And then the call campaign started. (laughs) <laughs> oh no
1: oh my gosh i that that like just makes me uncomfortable even thinking about that oh
2: god oh geez. so other uh, real iconic aspects of aim was of course the running man himself the logo oh, was yeah. like a, a yellow stick figure and the mm-hmm. sound effects i mean i could still every time that someone signs on you have that door open or door closed yeah. sound and then after a while, like as they had later editions, you could change what those sounds were. And you could get pretty creative with it because there was about like 15 or 20 preset sounds. But then some people who were much smarter than I was figured out how you could sample things and make those your your effects. Um, and then... Yeah, uh, the and then original buddy... ringtone. Exactly, exactly. For that half second, of, you know... <laughs> And it's like, oh, okay, I guess guess Paul's online, you know? (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, and then there's always the buddy lists, which, you know, it was one list of all of your friends that were online or away, which we'll talk about away in a second, um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or idle, but you could also create them into other sub lists. You could say, oh, these are all my high school friends, and these are all my... uh, You know, cross country friends, and these are you could split it up that way, and that was uh, for me. And I maybe maybe I'm unique in this, but it took me a lot of time to determine. Like, well, this is someone I know from high school, (laughs) but we're in cross country. Which which one is this? You know, (laughs) you just made the list. Yeah, exactly.
1: The, the, the only thing that might have been worse than trying to figure that out was on MySpace when you had to figure out your top eight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was... yeah cause, Because if you put somebody in your top eight and left somebody off, oh, man, it was about to go down.
2: Oh, yeah. See, I always just used to put bands in my top eight, and then that avoided all of oh, that. There, so it's like... But, that, but then you smart. still have to figure out what Good image thinking. do I want to present. Am I like a Metallica guy or am I like a you know, as I lay dying kind that of guy. Noise. Yeah. Or yeah, or am I a Christina Aguilera guy? Like, I don't know. Which, which one am I? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then, as I already alluded to, uh, the away message was kind of a big deal as well. And people would get very, very creative with those in terms of how to tell people that they aren't at their computer. And for whatever reason, and this wasn't so much the case in high school, but when we got to college... AIM was still really popular. And I remember people used to mm-hmm. stay signed in for days Years. at a time. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was I was being really conservative. I mean, there's definitely people <laughs> I have seen that were there months after months after months. And they have maybe actually actively been on 10 minutes in all of that time. But they have this away message. <laughs> I'm signed never in right away. now. Well, Dead serious.
0: I'm. I'm still signed. In. Yes, at the time of recording, I am still signed in. At the time of rec- or at the time you're listening to this, I'm Paul eight nine one. If you can find me, I'll respond.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Um. Yeah. So away messages were uh were a really big deal. So, um.
1: J- yeah. That you you ha- you couldn't just put like away from the keyboard no. or away from computer. You had to come up with uh like the you know the perfect phrase from a song or the the you know the whatever it happened to be but you had to have the the perfect thing that told people that you were not at your computer at that time yep which would have been obvious had they messaged you and you didn't respond but couldn't do that you had to tell people you had to have the
0: away message so what were your guys's favorite away messages that you used personally
2: I don't know if I can Ooh, even God. remember a single away message that I had. <laughs> I mean, most of them were probably like lyrics from some band that I was really into at the time. Like, Ooh. Oh, go ahead. I, I know my favorite away message. Oh, What's <laughs> Brian's. Band. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was hoping that would, uh, that would come and go without mention. But, uh, yes, I was in a, uh, a three piece acoustic band, uh, called away message. And we were so cool. Um, our, uh, our slogan was "It's the words you leave behind." So, yeah, you know, <laughs> that, that's how deep we were. We were like seventeen, Very and uh, we were really deep. So, um, we actually made some pretty good oh, music. Man, we made really some accurate. pretty good music. Does any of it were... still exist? I would have. I still have it. I bet. I guess Adam still has it. I was. I was gonna have to check. With the- I actually the other two do guys too. The, the CD is sitting
1: here. <laughs> I-, I still have. Uh, I still have Away message, and I still have Snow White Summer. Oh, that's another band and... I was in. That was
2: a whole different band. That was like uh... a new metal meets like post rock band. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, hold on, Evocation. That was. Oh yeah, I got them that was all. the band Albatross. I sang in.
2: No, I was never in <laughs> Albatross, but I do have their music. Um, so you so- were the only one. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, we're, we're getting <laughs> really rotating. inside baseball That's, for some was, of our yeah. non-Grand Rapids listeners. <laughs> All right, back, backing away. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so AIM was huge, as we mentioned, when we were like in high school. And it was really big when we were in college, too. And in fact, like my wife now and I, that was kind of like the first two months we were dating because we both went to Michigan State and I stayed on campus over the summer and she went back to stay with her parents back in Virginia and the entire time, um, to stay connected, like, yeah, we could call and we could text and stuff like that. But text messaging back then was like, you were limited to like maybe a hundred texts a month or something like that. So it was like,
1: well, and, and to do it, that was still when you had to hit, like, if you wanted to do, uh, like the letter H you had to hit the five uh button once or twice and then I was three times and stuff. Yeah. So it took a little it while. And you would
2: have to uh delete your text messages pretty regularly as well because on a Razor phone, for example, you'd run out of space pretty much instantly. So a lot of um those early months of our relationship were spent in AIM chatting and uh getting to know each other and uh
0: Look at yeah. that. True love
2: came out of instant <laughs> yeah, messaging. Yeah, well, I'm sure a lot of people have stories that are, are similar I, to that. I wouldn't doubt it. The, uh, the sad truth, which we've alluded to a few times, is that AOL Instant Messenger is no longer amongst the living. Um, and I think, you know, partially it had to do with everyone got really involved with Google. And so Gmail had their Gchat function, which kind of eliminated the idea of... Uh, Needing AOL anymore to do it if you could do it in your in your email
1: yeah it, and there's so many apps for it now like there's Facebook Messenger there's Allo, there's uh, what else uh, GroupMe mm-hmm. so there's so many alternatives yeah. that it it really just kind of became obsolete well and that's
2: kind of the thing too is basically every social media site has a messenger now like back then Zanga and MySpace mm-hmm. did not have anything resembling AIM but facebook has something right. and linkedin has something and instagram yeah. has something and i think snapchat i don't know we're uh, we're too old for snapchat yeah, but can- as far as i know you <laughs> can uh, you can do that that thing in snapchat and i think another big part of it too is you know sms texting and apple oh, yeah, messaging absolutely. and just like being yep. able to send like i can send unlimited text messages from my phone to Back in my yeah. day,
0: they cost ten cents a piece.
2: <laughs> you had to call yeah. after seven yeah. p.m. or it'd charge you up the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to
1: walk uphill in snow both ways to get to the telephone wires.
2: Damn right! Damn right! So did you guys have any uh, any final thoughts about AOL Instant Messenger?
0: The only away message I had for years was gone to Best Buy, if not back, avenge death.
2: <laughs> I actually I like just, that. I did just remember one of my old ones, and it's something my dad always used to say. And it's, I've gone to look for myself if I should come back before I return keep me here Um, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I I always thought that was pretty entertaining and I don't know if anyone else ever thought it was that entertaining so then I'd have to change it to like Hope's Fall lyrics or something like that but um, (laughs) well wonderful well that was actually our first submitted topic from a friend of the show Micah M so thank you so much for submitting thanks Micah yeah thank you for submitting this wonderful topic and I hope you enjoyed our discussion on it and now we are going to go to the main event with uh, our, our buddy Paul here talking about one of our favorite movies, uh, the 1980s classic Stand By Me. Really?
0: It's a favorite movie? That's a lot to live up to.
2: It's one of the most recent movies I've watched. <laughs> How's that sound?
1: <laughs> Brian's favorite movie is whatever the last movie he watched was.
2: <laughs> if, if it's in my browser history, it's, not, it's my favorite now, so don't take that too far. <laughs> Fair enough. Well,
0: <laughs> for 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 the unacquainted or the people that have lived under a rock for the past thirty years, Stand by Me is a coming of age film that was directed by Rob Reiner and it was in 1986. I actually didn't know it was in 86. I thought it was newer than that. Yeah, because it definitely yeah. lasted long past that. For it was the Sandlot before the Sandlot.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it was yes. like the midpoint, it, like because it kind of has Goonies qualities to it as well. Oh yeah, and it kind of mm-hmm. has Sandlot qualities. Um, this is an overall good movie. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It. Go on, go on.
1: And, and real quick, just about the uh, release date of it, Brian, this movie predates us. It's a month older than we oh, are. Oh, no.
0: I, I was around, but I'm not going to go into that.
2: The the oldest of the old guys.
0: <laughs> so, came out in 86. It starred Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, and a fat Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> yes
1: it was and Kiefer Sutherland, and Kiefer
0: Sutherland. I've oh wow, I forgot Kiefer Sutherland
2: I didn't realize it was yeah I didn't realize it was him <laughs> until he was shoving a burning cigarette in someone's eyeball um
1: <laughs> I was like oh yeah, that's yeah so that's River, where he learned
2: it yeah River Phoenix was gonna about to get owned and it's like oh wait okay that's where I recognize so, it from and now he's president w- on tv
0: yes movie was based on a stephen king short story titled the body Mm -hmm. and which
1: i never realized until just recently that it was a
0: stephen king story
1: yeah i love stephen king i had no idea it was a short story of his
0: you couldn't tell by the lack of ending
1: (laughs) (laughs) that makes a lot of sense now so
0: it's a coming-of-age film, and it starts with um, Gordy sitting in a diner, and he reads in a paper that one of his um, childhood friends was stabbed in a cafe and killed. And then it leads him to narrate a story of a weekend in 1959. It was Labor Day weekend when the four friends go out to... Find a body. What had happened is is another boy had gone missing. It was in the papers. He was presumed dead. And these guys decide if they can find him, they're gonna be heroes. So they go on this larger than life journey and all sorts of wacky adventures along the way. Without going through it piece by piece. This is the movie that made me uh terrified of leeches for the rest of my life. Oh, that scene is awful. (laughs) I have never played chicken with a train.
2: No, no. <laughs> Good call. Or, with, or and, with a lumber truck either.
0: Or with a lumber truck. <laughs> Whenever I see an overpass, uh, like a train crossing that goes over water, it's the first thing that comes to my mind is this movie. And never in my life will I ever attempt to cross such a thing because I will make the same face as Jerry O'Connell when I'm trying to run across it. The only difference is is he was able to pull it together and make it to the other side, and I would be squished by the train.
2: Well, maybe the big mound of poop behind you would uh, would stop the train before it hits you. <laughs> Paul just dropped a poop emoji behind him. Um, well, there's some really great scenes that you just kind of quickly dusted over that I think and we that's what really I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, so... Let's let's start with that train overpass scene because that's one that like I knew I had seen the movie at some point but couldn't really remember much of it. So, admittedly, when Paul got this topic, I was like, "Shit, I gotta I gotta watch this so I can like you know <laughs> talk about this." And that scene was like, you know, the whole rest of the movie is like, I, I feel like this is familiar until that scene. I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this for sure." And so they're basically following these train tracks. From their small town, basically over, I think, to the next county or something like that, where they say the body may have gone missing. And there's a spot in the tracks where it has to cross over this river in the middle of nowhere in Oregon. And the only way to really get across it is to go five miles down and then cross on like a, a paved bridge and then come five miles all the way back or just cross these train tracks. And so they decide to do that. And halfway over this river gorge, they hear a train coming. And two of the boys, um, ran right across, you know, they were, they were pretty scared, but the other two, um, what's his name? I can't even think of his name now. Uh, (laughs) What was his name? The the little fat kid
1: uh jerry o'connell yeah
2: yeah yeah it was i can't remember what his what his character name is but yeah so uh it was uh Vern, verne that's right yeah so yep. Vern. i
0: was gonna say it'll come to me in a minute yeah so
2: so verne was like basically glued to the tracks like he he's not moving he's on all fours like hugging the rails like i don't want to get up i might fall yeah that that scene right there i mean it, it's crazy and uh spoiler alert they all make it but uh they have to shove Vern <laughs> off the tracks right at the very end of it and they haven't quite made it to solid ground yet so um him and gordy just fall off the edge <laughs> like <laughs> a long ways down <laughs> in, into rocks and sand and, and stuff like that it's but, like
1: that scene in uh in Hot Rod where they just are constantly falling down a hill for five minutes.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or that Simpsons Daredevil episode we talked about. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah a little throwback. Springfield Gorge. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what about you guys? Any any memorable scenes? I know you had mentioned the leech scene, Paul.
0: I was just gonna say there's a scene where they go swimming in a pond or did they have to forge uh, the river. I can't yeah, quite like remember. A, but yeah, they... like a
2: swamp or something.
0: Yeah, and uh when they come out the other side, they all look at each other and they are covered in leeches, and they have a panic moment where they're all you know, ripping him off and freaking, and I think it was Gordon, yep. he just all of a sudden goes yep. silent and everybody looks at him and he just points to his nether regions. Oh. And they have a one, two, three moment where they uh rip it free from his manhood. Oh, yeah, passes out as I would too. And to this day, whenever I see a leech, that's the first thing that comes into my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. forever ingrained. <laughs> uh
1: and I was going to say the the same scene. That was always the scene that stuck out to me besides the bridge scene. Uh what was the uh scene with the leeches just because that one is uh, for for any guy, anyone really, but any guy in particular, that scene is just absolutely horrifying.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now, Kiefer Sutherland's character in this movie is a jackass, like just just a straight yes. up oh, yeah. jackass, like kind of the first. So he's
1: playing Kiefer Sutherland.
2: Yeah, well, the kind of the first introduction <laughs> that we get to him is in town, and uh, Gordy's older brother. I want to say his name was Dennis. I can't remember, but uh, Denny. Yeah, yeah, he had played by John Cusack. Yes, yep, young John Cusack. Yep. I feel like that's from a song somewhere, but. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh he had died um like a year or something before and he before he had died, he had given his little brother Gordy his uh his his Yankees cap and it was supposed to be good luck and all that stuff. And so he's wearing it through town and um gets stopped by uh, Kiefer Sutherland and his buddy and they take his hat and that's when he like River Phoenix's character, I can't remember his name either. But uh uh Chris Chris Chambers, God, you're good at this. You're good at this. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, he's tries to get the hat back, and he gets thrown to the ground, and he's like, yeah, you, "You would apologize, blah blah blah." And that's when he like shoves the cigarette butt, with still like smoking, right into his like right near his eyeball. It's like, "You gonna you gonna apologize?" Like, "Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And it's like that that was a pretty uh pretty douchebaggy <laughs> thing to do, but yeah, he was the one that was yeah. playing chicken with the the lumber truck uh Mm -hmm. because uh the other uh, guy that he was racing thought that he had him and because you know he can't pass me on this two-lane highway if this big lumber truck is coming our way and he just did it anyway and of course the truck drives off the side of the road all of his cargo falls out the back and then uh the end scene i think is is really uh it doesn't have a whole lot of closure not the very end scene where he's like an adult again but yeah but when they when they, when they find goes the, to
0: the beach with his family yeah exactly <laughs> but when they when they
2: when they actually find the body and um they're all kind of mortified and they're trying to figure out what to do and then Kiefer sutherland and his group of goons Crumbies. yeah yeah his group of goons yeah. just kind of show up and uh and, that, and that's when uh i think that leech to the sack really helped gordy out because he really sacked <laughs> up and he grabbed this gun <laughs> And uh, points at a keeper Sutherland. He's like, "What are you going to do? Shoot all of us?" Like, nope, just you. And it's like, oh, "That's the end. <laughs> that'll, do, that'll do it. That'll do it." Oh yeah. And of well, course,
0: it was the stolen 1911 pistol. It's like, where do you guys get this gun? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a very powerful scene as well. De- definitely one that you know would stick out in anybody's mind. Uh, just when because... they're sitting
0: and staring at the body, it's just very quiet, and they, they do a really great job of, you know, there's nothing glamorous about them meeting their end goal, and they kind of have that, they all have that moment of realization, and they did a really good job of making that resonate, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, that whole that whole part is really just, you know, I can still picture it, even though it's been probably 10 years since I've actually watched mm-hmm. the movie.
1: Yeah, they did a great job. And that, that was, I think, a lot of uh, credit to uh, Stephen King, too, uh, for, as far as you know, making it that way, that it was uh, not oh, this yeah. glamorous thing or whatever. It was just kind of this very quiet moment for them when they kind of realized that they had found this kid.
2: Yeah, oh, definitely. Speaking of, One of the my... uns... Oh, go ahead, Paul. I'll let
0: you finish because I was going to take us in another direction
2: mine's a very different direction as well and it's a it's about um the unsung hero chopper um, and, <laughs> <laughs> and chopper was the uh the junkyard dog and they they went to this junkyard to kind of relax for a little bit on their journey and um, steal water yep steal some water and they sent one of the boys to the store to get some food and chopper was supposed to be this really mean junkyard dog and apparently the guy that owned the junkyard had trained the dog to to sick on specific body parts so uh so sick (laughs) sick balls was a a very uh uh terrifying thing to hear as i i would imagine (laughs) yeah yeah no kidding you were gonna say though paul
0: so what i was gonna say and this is this is gonna be the the cheesiest thing you've ever heard but so after saturday morning cartoons if you didn't have cable they showed an episode of lassie in black and white They showed Mm -hmm. Dennis, Dennis the Menace, Mm -hmm. in black and white. And then they showed Have Gun, Will Travel, and um, the western. And throughout Mm -hmm. the movie, as the boys are walking, they sing the theme song to Have Gun, Will Travel. You know, Paladin, Paladin, Where Do You Roam?
2: Yep, yep.
0: And uh, so when it came time to find a screen name after AOL had, you know... Ended its popularity. To tie it back, I needed to uh, I needed to come up with something new, and I wanted it to be Star Trek related, but I didn't want to come off as an uber nerd. So I, for whatever reason, this came on TV, and I went, "Hey, Will Wheaton's in that movie, who was also in Star Trek: yep. The Next Generation." Yep. So I loved Have Gun Will Travel because we didn't have cable for a long time, so I always watched Bonanza and all the other westerns that came on Saturday afternoon after cartoons. And because you know I'm a mole person, sunlight is evil. So (laughs) somehow I made the distinction that, hey, Will Wheaton was in this, so I can make a Star Trek name by going here, and then I chose Paladin as my screen name, and it still is to this day, and most people associate it thinking it's like a fantasy thing, and it's like, no, it's Paladin Mm -hmm. from Have Gun, Will Travel, but to me, it's a Star Trek reference because Will Wheaton. (laughs) Nice. Like I said, it's the nerdiest thing ever.
2: I was saying you were trying to avoid being nerdy, but in the process, that's cool, though. I like that. It's lots of different It's my own uh,
0: six degrees of uh, Will Wheaton.
2: There you go. There you go. I think Sheldon Cooper has one of those, too. Um, <laughs> well, um, cool. I think that just about wraps up Stand By Me, then. Oh, yes. I think so.
0: There comes a time where we nostalgia nerds need to determine what we are going to talk about next week.
2: Yeah, so we're going to go to the Hopper of Imagination and see... Get to the hopper! Get Get to the the hopper! hopper. Get down, (laughs) get in the hopper! (laughs) And we're going to see what those new topics are going to be. As a reminder, folks, I'm going to draw four topics at random, one at a time, and we each get an opportunity to call dibs on that topic or collectively pass on it only four topics are going to be drawn three are going to be selected let's see what happens um we've not passed on any topics yet so let's see if we can keep that streak alive Are you guys ready pass let's do it (laughs) i didn't even give you a topic (laughs) yet man come on (laughs) oh i think you might want this first topic though the first topic is batman the animated series tv series one two three dibs all right, so. Really? Nobody now... was going to fight me for it? I, I could have talked about it, but I had to. I was feeling... ready to go to war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to,
1: to, be, to be fair, you cut out in my audio, Brian, so I didn't actually
2: hear what the topic was. Don't um. you
0: blame the internet. It never did anything <laughs> to you.
2: Um, so the second topic is Lifesaver Soda, Food or Beverage. One, two, three. I'm gonna pass because wow. I didn't even know that was a thing. I think I'm gonna to have to do that as well. So this is actually gonna be the first Coming time we, from a
0: historical standpoint, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's gonna be put back into the uh, the hopper of imagination, so it can be uh, selected again. So maybe in the meantime, Adam and I could do some homework about lifesaver soda. But uh, at this <laughs> point really in time, to. I don't really remember it. So um, okay, so these next two topics. One of us has to take each of those. Um, so the next one is going to be Kid Chameleon Video Game. One, two, three. Not all at once. I'll, uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's been a long time since I've played it, but I'll take it. Um, okay. So Adam, this last topic, for better or for worse, is going to be yours. Okay. And that topic is Uno Board Game.
0: nice Nice. all right i'll take and
2: the spanish number one
1: (laughs) (laughs) wait can i
2: talk about one or the other because i'll just talk about the spanish number one well that will make you the loneliest number for sure (laughs) (laughs) well that's our show folks we really appreciate you joining us here for dating ourselves and if you like what you heard there's always more to come
1: Check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show and check our Contact Us page if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics like Micah did. Uh, you can also send us submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've got mail.
2: You got it. <laughs> uh, you can also check us out on the Facebooks at www.facebook.com slash and if you're on Instagram, you can find us there as well at Dating Ourselves Podcast.
0: And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated.
2: See you guys so long. All right. Yep, see you guys.